Hello and welcome to Sweet Spot DFS. This is a DFS preview for the 2021 American Express. What I typically cover in these videos, I usually like to go right into historical data, look at past results, historical salaries, look at the optimal lineup to try to determine, you know, what type of lineup construction that we want to do for this uh, for this tournament, whether it's in DraftKings or FanDuel and then followed up with the bucket system. And if you're unfamiliar with that, I will link a video top right hand corner um, and you can get caught up with that. What I've done a poor job of doing in the past is kind of providing like an introduction to this tournament or to any tournament. So I will be doing that. But before going into that, timestamps are, are in the description. Uh, I also have chapter mode enabled. So the progress bar is cut up into segments. You can see what part is what uh, just by hovering your mouse over it or click and dragging with your finger. All right, so let's get kind of into the intro. You probably heard a lot of this already before, but this course is being played or this tournament's being played in La Quinta at basically PGA West. Uh, there are two courses there that they use, the stadium course and the Nicholas tournament course, and then they usually have a third course involved uh, which was last year the La Quinta Country Club, but they have cut that out for this year due to COVID reasons. Um, so we're only going to have two courses instead of three. We're going to have a 36-hole cut instead of a 54-hole cut. And the last two rounds of golf will be, be played on the PJ West Stadium course. So that means three rounds will be played on the stadium course and one round will be played on the Nicholas Tournament course. That information is definitely important because the stadium course is a Pete Dye design. So if you want to find some good information or when you're researching, definitely consider looking at Pete Dye design golf courses. He is very unique in his design. It's very different than most of the other architects, you know, that the PGA Tour or the golf courses the PGA Tour uses. Um... I would definitely consider looking at all the other courses. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but like RBC Heritage will be one. And I wouldn't make it extremely important because when we get into past results, you're going to see something here at this course or at this tournament that you really don't see at other tournaments. And it has a lot to do with how low the pros end up going at this tournament. Um, other than that, the only other piece of information I have for you is John Rahm has withdrawn. So keep that in mind. Okay, let's go ahead and get into the spreadsheet and look at the past results. I have it on screen right now. I have data goes back to 2013. Looking at the winning score, we see 26, basically north of 22 for all of the tournaments here. In 2017, it was 20 under. That was the highest score we've seen. The lowest was 28 under, and that was in 2014. But the last two years, we've seen 26 under. Now, I was just DM'd right before creating this video saying it's probably like this tournament. I forgot a piece of information in the uh, preview. There's no Pro-Am. So the Pro-Am is not being included um which means you know 
throughout the three days that this tournament usually is being played before the cut, they have <clears throat> amateurs that join either executives at companies that are looking to network at this tournament or sometimes celebrities play in this tournament. Those guys are no longer, or they're not going to be at this year's tournament because of COVID. One of the interesting things that JP Losman um, provided me, if you don't know him, he's he's very, uh, in the winner-take-all, like the quarter games, you can see him in the $1 winner-take-all as well. These are all contests that I usually participate in. He gave me a nice little bit of information saying that more than likely the PGA is going to set up this course a little tougher or set up this tournament a little tougher than usual because there are no pro-ams or there are no amateurs, which obviously makes sense. Usually pins were in the middle of the greens for a lot of these courses uh, during usually the pre-cut days, if you want to call it that. Because if you didn't have easy pins for amateurs, the the rounds of golf would take forever. So that might explain why there was such a low score at this tournament over the last, you know, basically since forever. Um, so it's very, I think that's a really interesting point to, to, to make. And I'm glad that he shared it with me because I was originally going to say I could see the winning score being somewhere between 22, or I should say like, 24 to 26 under now i would actually scale it back as much as i think even with a harder setup i still think the 20 under score is it gets achieved like they're going to get that score or get close to it here my prediction it's going to be somewhere between 20 and 22 under so it's going to be i i predicted last week 21 to 24 kevin now got at 21 i could see this tournament being one somewhere between 20 and 22 because I do believe that this course could be set up a little bit tougher. So keep that in mind. What I was going to say, why score matters is because there are different cuts of PGA Tour players. There are guys who can go really low. You know, the Corn Ferry Tour, a lot of golfers there are scorers. They go really low because that's what's required. The courses are usually set up, a, you know, easier. There isn't much i guess room for i shouldn't say room for error but not a lot of penalties i guess i don't want to say penalties because I, be I believe there probably are but it's just that the courses are set up a little bit easier scoring is easier on the corn ferry tour i think those types of golfers are going to do well at this tournament even with a harder setup um usually your elite golfers are more um built to basically win major championships which are on harder golf courses so mitigating mistakes is a huge part of their game calculating risks that kind of thing as opposed to just attacking every pin so i would definitely look if you're looking into researching anything look at golf look at tournaments where the score is 20 under or lower and Use that, like use the strokes gain you get from that. Use the scoring average you get from that. All of those stats that are combined with a winning score, a winning tournament score of 20 under or better. So that's all I have to say about historical results or past results. Let's go ahead and get into historical salaries. 
Now what I like to do here is basically analyze the top 10 of every year that DraftKings, I, I mentioned FanDuel earlier, I don't look at FanDuel ever, but for DraftKings salaries, whenever they've had contests for this tournament, that's as far back as I go. And as far as I can remember, 2018 was the first year they had this tournament. They could have had it on 2017, I don't have the data for it, but looking at 2018 to 2020, if we kind of look at this analysis, you know, the analysis boxes over here, um, you can see the average salary of the winner. You can see the average salary of the top 10. Now, the winner says 8167, but if you look at first place over the last three years, you see as low as 6,200 and as high as 11.8. Actually, we have two golfers in the 6K range and then one golfer in the 11K range. So that's definitely something to make a note of because 6K golfers predominantly rule this tournament. Um, if we look at our, our little box here of all the, the salary ranges, below 7K makes up 44% of the top 10. That's what these numbers here represent. This is the percentage of any of these ranges inside the top 10. So 44% six or 7K and below, or I should say below 7K. The next highest range is actually that 7 to 8K range. So that's 7,900 down to 7,000. And then the one after that is the 10K and above. So this is a very much stars and scrubs type of tournament. Um, it doesn't really look like you can make many balance builds, especially in the last three years. That could change, obviously, uh, if, say, the tournament conditions are a little bit more difficult because there is no Pro-Am. But I still think, I mean, even looking at the 6K range, there are a lot of good golfers in the 6K range that I would consider. So I do believe we're going to see at least two 6K golfers inside the top five. Um, we've seen it every year over the last three years, or I should just say within the last three years, I think that trend's going to continue. And if you want a little bit more of a complete breakdown of what it looks like, here's kind of the totals. So the over since 2013, or no, no, I'm sorry, since 2018 until 2020, here are the total number of golfers and their price ranges or their, you know, what bucket they fall under for prices. Um, obviously not a lot, 10K and above, and um, let's double check this. Okay, yeah, yeah, never mind. I was confused there for a minute. So last three years, we have had 16 golfers inside the 10K price range, or 10K and above. That makes sense. We usually only have five a tournament, uh, five a contest, I should say, and that kind of, you know, if you average it out, that's nearly five uh, per tournament 19 in the 9 to 10k range 31 in the 8 to 9 140 in the 7 to 8 and then your majority is um 261 uh in the below 7k range when we look at percentages of those golfers you know in those i'm gonna call them buckets in those buckets your highest success rate is finding golfers 10k and above 37 and a half percent of them of all 10K golfers or 10K and above golfers over the last three years have finished inside the top 10. Uh, that's one way to, you know, look at this information, but definitely don't shy away from the 10K and above 
um, golfers because I do believe you're going to need one in the optimal lineup. Um, and then when we go down, obviously the 6K range is your highest probability or, you know, makes up of the most amount of golfers inside the top 10. But when you look at the entirety of it, 5.75% of 6K golfers over the last three years made the top 10. Um, again, that's one way to say this, this data. There's probably a better way to, to actually state it. But what this tells me is it's going to be pretty difficult to find those golfers. And they are going to make up. They're, you're going to need them for the optimal lineup. So don't shy away from the 6K range. Definitely don't shy away from the 10K range, 10K and above. Let's look at optimal lineups to kind of reinforce this thought process. So really optimal lineup. And I have to admit this optimal lineup, I'm not even sure if it is the optimal, but if you look at all the rest of the prices here in that top 10 range, even if it's not any of these guys, like if we have to pivot from Chapel to say Piercy, we're going down $300. Um, if it has to go from John Huh to Scott Piercy, then obviously we go up 800, um, so on and so forth. Optimal lineup was 47,700 in 2018. Uh, it included a 10K and above golfer. It included two 6K golfers, and then the rest of them 7K golfers. Now, I guess we could substitute out the 6K golfers for maybe these two 7K golfers. Let me see what the price is for those. Yeah, it's 49,400. So you definitely could have made a decent um a a decent lineup there leaving 600 on the table, but you're still leaving money on the table and that's going to be a common trend for this tournament is leaving money on the table. Uh if we look at 2019, uh you can see this this one had the optimal lineup and then it also had like what would be a realistic lineup. Uh, I had not yet kept track of tournaments that I was in just to see what the winning lineup was for those. Um, but again, you had a 6K golfer winning the tournament. You needed a 6K golfer no matter what. And then obviously 6,400 twice. So you had three guys six in the 6K range. Uh, meanwhile, in 2018, you could have had 6K or uh, three golfers in the 6K range there as well. And you could have four you know, on your team. So looking at 2019, again, 6K range, you can't be allergic to it. You're going to need to. A good follow, by the way, are the guys of the 6K range. If you look them up, uh, they they actually show their favorite 6K plays, and that is what their, their shtick is, is just staying within the 6K range, finding the best plays, that kind of thing. So definitely give them a follow, um, especially for this tournament. Like we're going to need 6K golfers. But you see a 10K golfer up here as well as 11.6. Now, ROM, you couldn't have, you know, included if you wanted. I mean, you needed Hadwin in this this tournament. I, I know that. I, I don't have it. Um, actually, I'm not sure if I, ha if I recorded it or not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think I do. I guess I have the winning lineup for last year's tournament. Yeah, no one had Landry. That's right. Okay, so I was hoping to to see that I had um, either the winning lineup or something recorded somewhere, but I don't. 
Uh, either way, 10K, 11.6. You know, you could have made a bunch of different lineups. This I ended up having as the optimal, which was 45,700. I'm not positive that, yeah. This right here would have equaled 50,100. So you'd been 100 over the salary, which if we wanted to, could we substitute anybody? No, we can't. Um, I mean, we could take fill out and then put someone like this, but then we're at 47,800. Um, either way, you had to leave money on the table. And also we need 6K golfers and 10K and above golfers. And then 2020 is no different except for you really, I guess you really didn't need your 10K and above, but this optimal lineup was 44,500. You need to leave 5K on the table. That ain't, that's not gonna happen. The uh, $5 winning lineup uh, last year had the winner, Landry, with Scheffler, Kali, M, Armin, and Tringali, and that equaled 50,000 on the button. And you can see they use Tringali down here. Again, this was a three round cut. So the cut was decided after 54 holes. Um, I don't think the points really were that much different between 21st place and 43rd place. I could be wrong, but I, I doubt they were that, that different. I actually, I recorded some of them. So Tringali was 81 and a half. Berger at 29. Ninth place was 88. Uh, there we go. KH Lee was, or no, Chase Seifert was 88 points and he was 21st. So, you know, seven point difference between them, not a huge deal. And that's, I mean, that's kind of why this guy took it down because he had the right players, obviously. But the optimal lineup, no one is going to have, no one's going to leave 5,000 on the table. That's pretty unrealistic. If you were to do something more realistic, this is probably the route. It would have been, either going Fowler or Sungjae with those five golfers. So you would have went, you would have had an 11K golfer, so 10K and above, two 6K golfers, like we've already mentioned, and then fill in the rest with an 89, 95, and 7,300 golfers. So again, when we looked at kind of the analysis of the historical salaries, we look at the optimal lineup, everything kind of meshes in with each other. It all works together. Two golfers, 6K, one golfer, 10 and above, fill in the rest with the other guy. So that's probably how I'm going to start my lineups. I'm not going to be afraid of the 10K range or anything like that. The last bit piece of information I want to cover in this preview. Actually, let me go. Let me do one extra thing here. Uh, here's a weird. So for those that are superstitious or enjoy these types of trends, I have a little nugget for you. So in 2017, Adam Hadwin finished second place. We skip 2018, we go to 2019. Adam Hadwin finished second place. Okay, not that weird, sure. How about we look at 2018? We see Andrew Landry finish second place. Um, Adam Hadwin finished third. <laughs> so obviously he's a course horse at this, uh, this tournament. But then we go to 2020, Andrew Landry wins. I'm not even sure if Rom played in this tournament. Let's see if I can find them. Nope, Rom did not play in this tournament. Uh, either way, Landry won. So every two years, it looks like whoever was second place has a first place finish or a second place finish. 
if we were to look at 2019 to see who was in second place, it's Adam Hadwin, as well as Phil Mickelson. So if you kind of like that narrative, if you want to follow that path, you know, those two guys, they're primed to make first or second place. I'm, I'm not going to, but I will definitely play both of, the, <clears throat> both of those golfers. And not because of that reason, but because, you know, this is a tournament that's wide open. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to even be able to find favorites that I like. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into the bucket system. Which, again, if you haven't followed uh, any of my previous videos, the bucket system, I'll link up there top right-hand corner again uh, if, if you want to double-check what that is. The quick explanation of it is I analyze last year's performances or the year before each year, if you want to call it that. Um, here, let me, let me rewind. I analyze the top 10 of every single year. And I look at each of those golfers inside the top 10, what their performance was the year before at that tournament, as well as the, the week before tournament. So the, the tournament prior to this tournament, which happens to be the Sony Open. It has been for a very long time. So I will look at the Sony Open. And if any of those golfers golfed in it, I'll definitely record that here. Obviously do my analysis based off of it and then try to figure out if there are certain advantages of finishing inside any of these ranges that I have on the screen. So 1 to 20, 20 to 40, 40 to 60, 60 to 80, 80 plus did not play. So I, I create these buckets, and that's why it's called the bucket system. What I can tell you, um, we look at the top 10 right here, this, this bucket, this table. The number one bucket are golfers who did not play the year before. So targeting golfers who did not play, that would make up 31% of the top 10 golfers over the last seven years, 2014 to 2020. Um, your second bucket are golfers who missed the cut. They make up 25% of the top 10. And then the, the, the next best bucket would be golfers who finished top 20 at this tournament uh, in previous years. In the previous year, not years, just the year before. Uh, and that makes up 20% of the top 10. So those three buckets combined, you have 76.25%. If you wanted to make lineups just based off of these, you know, these three buckets, you're probably going to find some success. Now there is a bucket pretty close, and that would be your golfers who finished 20 to 40. That equals 12% of the top 10. Now I have been asked, you know, it would be nice to see like a total amount of golfers and then what type of success that actually has. So I provided this other column here called range percentage, but it really should be named something else. What I'm doing is I'm actually tallying the total amount of golfers that fall under these ranges. So you can see kind of the, the totals over here and what it makes like how many golfers or what is the percentage of, of those ranges compared to the field. So usually Golfers who did not play the year before make up nearly 40% of the field. So these could be first timers. These could be golfers who hadn't played this golf course maybe for a year, maybe two, maybe even five, but they would fall under this. So it's a mix of course history and no course history. Um, obviously missed cuts. That would be your next biggest one. And that's 26.5%. 
But when we compare it to the golfers who finished inside the top 10, 11.85% of golfers who fall in that range of finishing 20th or better the year before, 11.85% finished inside the top 10. So you have a better chance to find a golfer finishing inside the top 10 who top 20 the year before than any of these other ranges. But what this is telling you also is you need to find golfers who did not play the year before and you need to find golfers who missed the cut. So that's kind of the, the gist of it. Now, when we look at last week, your number one bucket is actually tied between golfers who top 20 the, the week before. So that would be the Sony as well as golfers who did not play. And both of those buckets, um, both of those ranges, I should say, make up a 47.5% of top 10s. The rest of them are sprinkled in pretty evenly. Now, of course, I did the whole total, compared it against top 10, that kind of thing. The, the range that you're going to have the most success finding golfers in is going to be that 1 to 20. And that's you know pretty, pretty standard. So when you look at the two ranges for both buckets, the last year bucket and the last week bucket, you know, it isn't as telling as the Sony Open. Like this tournament is kind of a crapshoot when you look at it this way. These are the lowest numbers I've seen so far for a tournament, meaning you, you're you just going to select, you know, basically anybody that you possibly can. But one other caveat to that is that when we actually look at every year for top tens uh, and we kind of, you know, scroll over and look to see how often any of these buckets actually show up inside the top 10. You know, we can look at last year and say last year bucket one, two, and three all have a 100% conversion rate of finishing inside the top 10. So that means they've had at least one golfer finish inside the top 10. If you can think about that, three golfers of yours, you should basically one golfer should be a top 20 from the year before one golfer should be a miscut and one golfer should be a did not play find your favorite golfers and then sprinkle in the rest um and likewise for last week there's only one bucket that has a 100 percent conversion rate if you want to call it that and that's the golfers who did not play the week before we do have zeros showing up for golfers who finished top 20 the week before as well as golfers who missed the cut um, in this field for this year, one of the weirdest, not so much weirdest, but, um, craziest things are golfers who missed the cut last year. Um, on average, we usually see 41. This is 17 players above that average number and is the highest by 11 golfers. Like we haven't seen this many missed cut, you know, golfers who missed the cut the year before show back up at this tournament. And I think a large part of that is because um, we never really had like a graduation of the Corn Ferry Tour. So that kind of, I think, mixes in with all of this. But I think finding golfers who missed the cut the year before is going to be pretty easy. Now, that actually takes away more from golfers who did not play the week before. That averages out to be 61, and we're at 31. So we see way more golfers. Um, just want to double check my numbers here. That it, it, it ends up checking out, but 
that really takes away from that did not play the, the uh, year before. Everything else for the last week pretty much stays the same. Um, so you can just follow along with that. Let me give you my favorite plays before we get out of this. I'm going to try to keep this minute under 30 minutes. So I have to kind of do this within, say, two minutes, basically. Um, I have actually already predetermined who my favorites are. So when you see on the screen, the P and B, P means price and B means bucket. So anyone that has a B means I like their, I like them and I like them because of their bucket score and because of who they are. So Patrick Cantley and Tony Fina are my only guys above 10 K that I like. Then I go Scotty Scheffler, Ricky Fowler, Russell Henley, all in the nine K. The only guy in the eight K for me is Sam Burns. Uh, 7k is mixed with a bunch of golfers so i'm gonna just let you guys read who those are and then 6k also has a few golfers with two really low or three really low price guys luke donald at 61 scott harrington at 61 and ben martin perhaps ben martin can come back around um used to be really good on bermuda greens i think he used to be pretty decent here um i definitely like his value uh, first, well, I, I like his price and what he could do here. So hopefully that gives you a good idea of who to choose from just by looking at historical data. I'll get into more of the course fit stuff, obviously in the course fit video. Um, but yeah, we're going to leave it there. Hopefully I see you in those other videos and the strategy video on Wednesday. Thank you for watching. Please leave a like comment and subscribe and I'll see you in the next one. All right. Bye.